Hello and welcome back to the Wealthier Together podcast. My name is Dr. Blessing and I am the host. This week we're talking to Jeannie Bianchi. So this episode is for you. If you are interested in learning more about acupuncture, you're interested in learning more about how acupuncture can improve your hormone balance, restore your health, increase your fertility, and improve digestion. And today is actually Jeannie's birthday. So wish her a happy birthday and I hope you enjoy this episode. Jeannie Yankee specializes in women's health, fertility, digestive health, and autoimmune support. She's been in practice since since 2004, and she's passionate about the value that Chinese and integrative medicine bring, especially for patients suffering with conditions that fall through the cracks. And also for those who no one drug or pill will create total healing. She dedicates herself to take the time and do the, the detective work around complicated conditions. In partnership with her patients, she provides a map to help them get back to living. From the beginning of her graduate studies, Jeannie pursued expertise in integrative reproductive health and gynecology, including studies with the renowned midwife and acupuncturist Raven Lang, as well as lectures and rotations in the gynecology department at an integrative acupuncture herbal conventional medicine university hospital in Chengdu, China. She also follows emerging knowledge of the interface between gut health and whole body wellness. When she's not in the clinic, Jeannie enjoys exploring the world through the eyes of her two sons and spending time in nature and singing. So welcome, Jeannie. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Blessing, for having me. So can you tell us a little bit more about your story? Why acupuncture? Sure. Yeah. Um, I know it's uh, it's interesting. I, I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in the suburb of Chicago, so it really wasn't like something I grew up with. Um, but it was really after I graduated from college that I was I had I worked in a variety of different kind of settings and um, abroad and also here in the states. And I was really sort of on a quest to drill into like what is a, a career, like a vocation, a line of work that, that I can be really fulfilled by and stimulated by and be of service. So kind of with those ideas in mind, I was I was um, working in a lot of different settings, like I said, but also just doing a lot of exploring and kind of drilling down like, okay, well, what, what am I good at? And then how can I kind of create that into a, a profession of service? And so I was like, well, I, I'm, I'm very tactile. Like I, I get information from my hands and I'm sort of, you know, just who I am is basically is like an empath and an intuitive type of person. So with that idea, and I also really love like the body and medicine and, and, and the um, sciences of studying the body systems. So I was interested in medicine, but I kind of understood that like for Western medicine, um, I wouldn't be so I wouldn't resonate with pharmaceuticals as Mm -hmm. my end tool you know for for working with the body and so I was like well you know that's that's such an interesting system of medicine but are there other systems that where we can look at the body and treat the body as a whole but maybe our tools are different and so with that in mind I was looking to explore healing systems and came across Chinese medicine literally like in a bookstore in Chicago. And I found this book on Chinese medicine called The Web That Has No Weaver and um, just started learning from there. And I, I liked that it, Chinese medicine has a really, really long literate history. So literally the first book um, that was written that is part of like the Chinese medical canon was um, it's called The Shang Han Lun. It was written in 2000, between 2006 to uh, BC to 226 AD. So that's, that, that's significant, right? Like that, that speaks to its longevity. And then I like the fact that it's, it's a system of medicine where we can use physical manipulation like acupuncture and we could also use herbs and dietary therapy. Um, so that, that seemed like a, a really good mix and fit for me. So I actually started looking at acupuncture colleges and lo and behold, the school that I actually graduated from had just within that sort of month that I found this book and I was exploring Chinese medicine, 
um, it had just opened a small branch in Chicago where I was living at the time, which they didn't even have their own campus. It was like one room in a, in a community college where this intro course was being taught out of. So I thought that was, uh, you know, symbiotic and, or synchronistic. And so I took that course and I just, it all kind of unfolded from there. I really like the way that you told your story about how you had no no idea about Chinese medicine or acupuncture and you went into a bookstore and then you found something that resonated with you. Yeah. Um, that approach is definitely, I think, the whole body approach is a better approach than just focusing on one system. Because as you know, when you see clients that it's a combination of things that are affecting their health. And so when they come to you, they've usually been treated by someone that's focusing on just one thing, but you do your detect detective work and you discover that there are other, other things or other parts of their life that are in play. Absolutely. And I'm sure you do in your work, you know, and, um, you know, that's part of Western medicine is like the degree of specificity that they, that, that the, the, the um, different disciplines have been able to, you know, nail down at a biochemical level while certain things are happening, but then sometimes we miss the forest for the trees. Mm -hmm. That is true. Yeah. So, so can you tell us what is acupuncture for yeah, someone who so, doesn't know? Yeah, absolutely. So it is one tool within the system of Chinese medicine. And acupuncture is the technique that we use for promoting health. It is the insertion of very fine, thin needles into strategic areas of the body. And it is always done in a series in order to facilitate health or achieve a health goal. So that's like the very nutshell. And I could talk about sort of like the, the why, right? So I can talk about the, the why from a Western physiology point and also a Chinese uh, medicine point of view. Okay. So it, from a Western physiology viewpoint, um, what the most basic overarching action that occurs when we do treatments with needles in these strategic areas of the body is that it facilitates a deep relaxation response in the nervous system. So another way to say that is, is it reduces sympathetic activity overall, most generally. And then this is like a really important concept of how acupuncture can work with a lot of different body systems. So if you, if your listeners have any familiarity with acupuncture, you know, it's, it's, people can use it for a lot of different things. Probably the most well-known thing is pain, musculoskeletal pain, right? Mm -hmm. Any, all different types of musculoskeletal conditions can really benefit from acupuncture. Um, and, but we also use it and see its effectiveness in conditions that uh, have to do with the reproductive system, that have to do with the digestive system, that have to do with um, promoting or maintaining good immune health. So there's a lot of systems that it touches and really the, the relationship with the nervous system is kind of the, the key, the portal in up to why it can touch all those, those systems. So can you tell us the link between the sympathetic part of the nervous system and why acupuncture is so effective? So touch on the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system and why acupuncture is so good at doing what it does. Absolutely, yeah. So, so that is the crux of the matter. So, so, you know, we have these two sides of our nervous system, our sympathetic and our parasympathetic. So the nickname for sympathetic is, uh, is uh, or the nickname for parasympathetic is called rest and digest. That is our rest side, our repair side. The nickname for sympathetic is called fight or flight. That has to do with our get up and go, our systems of alert, having us be you know, ready for action in the world, and also prepare for danger. So our sympathetic, they're both valuable, they're both important, they're both innate, you know, functions in our body. But what happens sometimes with, with chronic um, illness is, and or these types of imbalances that can show up in digestion or show up in the reproductive system is that we 
get an overactivation of our sympathetic. And so why th that is a problem is because our body is constantly interpreting a state of stress or a state of kind of threat. Maybe not um, life-threatening threat, but a low-level threat that the body is on alert. And so we say like the sympathetic has too much tone and the parasympathetic is a bit suppressed. And so then what happens in that scenario is, okay, maybe as I'm, you know, into the working world and I'm in my fifth year of a kind of stressful job, well, now I notice sometimes that, um, you know, every time I'm gonna go into a meeting that where, where I might have to talk or, or present my results or there's a big deadline, then I notice like I get belly pain or I notice that my cycles have not been so regular, right? So it's not like this emergency room, gotta, gotta get care right now. It's sort of like a slow progressive change to where you, the, the, these systems that are dependent on both sympathetic tone and sympathetic tone to, to go down when it's supposed to go down, we start to get, get some symptomology, right? Or maybe there's a symptom that I don't sleep as well. I'm a little bit restless. Like I, I used to sleep through the night like a rock and now I, I find like I wake up at 3 a.m. every day. All of these sort of kind of low level irritating type of symptoms that can erode our health over time or contribute to chronic disease state, a lot of them have some, uh, the, the sympathetic parasympathetic balance has some play on those. And it's good that you mentioned those because a lot of people will just like, it, because it starts so slowly or gradually, people right. will overlook it until the symptoms, they've had the symptoms for a while and then it starts affecting another, um, another area of the body that forces them to have to go to, yes. um, to their doctor. Is that slow drip, right? Yeah. So yeah. what are some pros and cons of acupuncture treatment? So someone is listening, they're like, hey, my friend told me about acupuncture, but I don't know. So what are some pros and then what are some cons? Right, right. Well, and I'll just say too, you know, um, as far as the parasympathetic sympathetic, you know, when we get the, the treatment, when we get acupuncture um, and the nervous system gets to experience that state of deeper rest, that's where the other body symptoms can re-regulate or come into homeostasis. So it's a very sort of regulating type of therapy. So that, that's just that piece. We also know that the insertion of needles brings blood flow to the specific area that we're needling and can release muscle tension too. So, uh, you know, in the traditional Chinese medicine framework too, I'll just touch on that. Um, we insert needles that facilitates the optimal flow of energy in the body. Right, so the body is visualized as a network of within with this network of vessels or channels running uh, within us, mm -hmm. and when we sort of manipulate the energy at these strategic points, uh, the channels are non-physical, but they're the conduits for like kind of our life force. That's that's the idea from the Chinese medicine perspective. Um, so anyway, pros and cons. Um, I mean, again, so like pros, I would say, you know, because it's such a deeply relaxing and regulating therapy, it, it can be beneficial for a lot of different types of conditions. So it can kind of lay the foundation for healing, if that makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, by giving us more of that repair time, that repair time that we're supposed to have when we sleep deeply for eight or nine hours a night. Um, but, you know, sometimes, again, if that's been eroded away with these imbalances through time, then we kind of need a reset, right? Mm -hmm. I don't, as far as cons, you know, I, I don't think of it as a con per se, but just, just sort of an, the, the idea that, you know, like one, one, any one therapy is not right for every single person, right? Yeah. So, you know, sometimes, of course, the needles are like the hurdle, the hurdle for people. <laughs> yeah. It's just like that's that's what it's all about, and so every so often, you know, some someone is just too simply too scared, right, to relax with the needles and actually like think into what the treatment is, and so you know, then it makes sense for them to find another healing modality that can kind of access those same 
uh, principles, but it doesn't have to be needles. If that's just something that he can't get over personally, and that's fine, right? So, um, you know, and in that case, we can still use herbal therapy or supplements and lifestyle adjustments or nutrition and all of those things, so, you know, can, can create that change as well. So many, many roads lead to long. Very yeah. true. That's good. Yeah. So in line with the needles and the fear yeah. of people's fear of needles, is acupuncture right. treatment painful? So absolutely this is the top question and number one question always and in general the answer is no the treatment is designed by definition wants to shift the body into a a healing state and what i always help my my patients with when when they because most people are newcomers i've had many many people who are newcomers to acupuncture so i'm always walking people through this and what it is, is we differentiate between sensation and pain. Mm -hmm. So there is an important therapeutic sensation of acupuncture. Like we don't want it to just do nothing, right? We want it to do something. True. And, um, so it's not bad to feel sensation in the body, but of course we don't want to feel like pain, like we're being like stuck. And so... What the, what the differentiation is, is we, when, when you get it a point inserted, it can be this really super temporary, quick little pinch. Okay. Now, sometimes a lot, that's like kind of worst case scenario. Most times you really don't feel much in the way of pain at all. And as the point takes its therapeutic effect, messaging, with the nervous system in the muscles. The points are never in nerves. They're always inserted in muscle tissue. Um, and that's why you go to acupuncture to school to learn the precise locations of all the points where it's safe to, lo to needle, where it's uh, comfortable to needle, et cetera. Anyway, when, when the point is inserted and you're getting that therapeutic shift of the nervous system, there are a number of positive therapeutic sensations that can arise. So one of those would be like a warm tingling or circulatory sensation at that point or even not at that point in an area distal or away from the point that was just inserted then as the the treatment takes effect you can feel sort of this overall shift into like a, oh, and then also you can feel sort of a tingling at, at points that's comfortable and even the, the, uh, the most important therapeutic sensation you can feel is sort of a dull ache at an acupuncture point. And it's a very hard to actually sensation to, for people to do, understand if they've never had acupuncture. And when I say dull ache, I know it probably makes you think of pain, but it's not the type of pain that you think of with like a sore, dull, achy muscle. It's very specific to acupuncture. And it's this light, dull, achy, sort of distending feeling that sort of then melts into this warm circulatory feeling. Okay. I think so, that's, does that kind of make sense? That makes sense. I think that's good for people who don't know what to expect because, right. you know, right. people are like, well, people are putting needles into me. I have no idea. So, and especially the fact that you walk your clients and patients through the process. I think that half the time it's just, explaining it and breaking it down so they know what is going on and not just you know I because I had a colleague who was also getting his acupuncture degree while we were getting our chiropractic degree and he didn't tell me and so I was not happy with him but he was practicing I just said no not again but so <laughs> that is my experience with acupuncture I know it's not bad but he was oh, really? practicing, but a lot of people are not aware. And so I think it's good that you broke it down like that. So they know, hey, this is what you expect. And this is a process that you will walk through. Oh, absolutely. And here's the other thing, too. Like, it's never like, okay, you come and get on the table. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a system where we're, first of all, we're doing a very thorough health inventory, health intake around what's bringing you in, around what's bringing the patient in. So we're trying to understand you know all the symptomology and the potential like imbalances that are expressing so that's the most important thing you know um 
And then from there, I can understand, uh, I have my context as to, okay, well, what are we trying to do in the body? What are we trying to shift? What, you know, what's the picture like? So that's number one. And then, yeah, I always have people, I, you know, say like, I, I will walk you through this. We will not just be like willy nilly, you know, doing things to you. You're going to understand everything and have, have that time to ask questions and be comfortable. Yeah, so I'm sorry someone just kind of <laughs> didn't. Well, I mean, he was still a student, so right. he hadn't graduated, so I yeah. gave him grace there, but I was like, mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, no, um, there is an art to, you know, making people feel comfortable and really letting them, um, you know, trust you that it's not going to be this, like, terrible experience. And what else I will say, um, I want to give your listeners the context about the type of needles that we're using. Mm -hmm. Because most of us have only ever experienced needles in the form of shots, right? Yeah, or blood draws. Shots or blood draws. Mm -hmm. Now, right. So those needles are giant compared to what I use. Okay. They are actually, they're just physically way larger in diameter. They are also have a um, angled edge because they are designed to cut through the skin. And I hope this isn't too like, you know, detail for your listeners, but I do want them to understand like why it's so different. Um, you know, because they're designed to either take something out of the body in the case of the blood draw or put something in the body in the case of the injection. Right. Yeah. And so that, that shape is super important. And the size is super important. Now our acupuncture needles, are minuscule in, in comparison with the, the needles that are used in blood draws or injections. So, you know, way more tiny. They're also, they're not hollow. There's nothing inside them. And they are like, uh, it's, there's no angle to them. It, it's, it's almost like a, uh, it's a rounded, uh, it's almost like a bullet shape with, with that point on the end. Mm-hmm. But, it, it actually does not damage the skin at all. So those are like some really important differences. And that's definitely very important. Yeah, they're not large. They're really small. Um, yeah. Those lab ne- those uh, needles they use in lab draws, uh, I just, yeah, you have to go in there and do it. But <laughs> yeah, different. It's like a, yeah, it's like a huge, like Great Dane versus a tiny little chihuahua. They're yeah. Yeah. You said you also work with women's health and fertility and you use acupuncture as one of the many tools that you use to help women in this area. Yeah. So what role does acupuncture play in women's health and fertility? Okay. Well, I'm glad you asked. And I think it is a really beneficial tool. It's like an ally for women. Um, you know, and, and number one, when, when women come in, I, I always try to use it as an opportunity to educate about our reproductive systems, about our cycles, because um, that's something I really learned from Chinese medicine, is to put a primary value on that and and really use it as a tool to understand our bodies and to honor it. Because what we kind of do, you know, in in as we are taught about our periods and growing up, it's like it's always this like burden, right? It's always this like thing you want to either get away from or not have at all, or it's, or it's uncomfortable and painful. It's, you know, there's, there's always a lot of negativity associated with it, as opposed to like this part of our bodies to honor and, um, you know, use as a tool to understand how our overall health is. Mm -hmm. Medicine always has placed a great importance on a women's cycle as a gauge of overall health. And so when I'm walking someone through our initial intake and we're going through symptoms, around the cycle and the period, then we were talking about that. Um, so we're learning to like appreciate our systems. And, you know, if there's pain and discomfort and problems, like you can try to start to listen to those symptoms for valuable diets, as opposed to just like, oh, let's like suppress it. So that's kind of my framework that I, that, that I try to give to women. And then what, what I also, as part of that whole like education idea is we're trying to, to distinguish um, what's normal and what's common. Mm-hmm. So as we're going through the intake, you know, and what I do is we, we have an intake about each phase of the period. So there's period phase and then there's post period when we're ovulating, when we're, when our egg is, is, um, 
getting ripened and our endometrium is thickening, right? Um, this is just basic like psychophysiology. Then we get to mid-cycle when we ovulate, then we get to post-ovulation, which is also called luteal phase. So there's essentially four phases. And when we're doing that, that inventory, so, you know, we, I ask about how's the bleeding phase, cramps, flow, etc. cetera. Um, and then we talk about like, symptoms throughout each of those phases. And I'll always hear like, yes, I have cramps, but they're normal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yes, I have PMS, but it's just the normal stuff. Yes, I have a heavy flow, but it's just, you know, that normal. And so what I'm always look to shift that perspective into, okay, it might be common, but it's actually something that we want to attend to, and it might not be normal for you to have, you know, pounding headaches before each cycle or for you to have, like, you know, cramps that make you vomit every cycle, or even it doesn't have to be that extreme, but pain cramping every cycle. We want to look at how are we going to facilitate the body to have a better flow with all of those symptoms. So the standard actually that we're shooting for, the good news is that in trying using acupuncture as a tool, we're considering that most of these symptoms are not super normal, although they're common. And the standard that we want is a smooth period, relatively untroubled by cramps, mood swings, headaches, or acne. Mm -hmm. you know? And so when then we start, as we kind of get, a, again, the picture of the whole body, then we can start using acupuncture to um, regulate things. So if there's a lot of pain with the period, we will be using um, various points, both around probably the abdomen and uh, in the rest of the body to facilitate good blood flow, to relax uh, mental tension. And then it all kind of comes together in that picture. And actually, this goes back to that sympathetic parasympathetic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because when, when we are in a little, when we are in a little overstimulated sympathetic phase or, or side of our nervous system chronically, um, what the, one physiologic re, uh, action of, of the sympathetic is, is to divert our blood flow, relatively speaking, not like all of it, but in some portion to our limbs and away from our trunk so maybe when we're getting cramps every month part of it might be that stress because we're actually not getting good blood perfusion to the uterus which is located in our trunk and in our, our center maybe we're getting a lot more perfusion in the limbs and that has some effect on the way that the cramping is going you know and the reason that, that I say that as far as the blood going to the limbs, when, when we're in sympathetic, what our, our evolutionary like brains are doing is getting us ready to run. Right? Because that, that's sort of our, our, that's, that's our sort of evolutionary response in the, in the sympathetic is to protect us from danger. And so, you know, in our ancient ancestors, that meant the ability to run fast. If a predator was on the, the, the horizon or, or we needed to physically protect our bodies. So our world has changed so much. Most of us don't face those types of threats in our physical environment, but the body still perceives it that way. So it still creates these physiologic changes in where blood is flowing among other things. And, you know, so that's one mechanism that where that sympathetic overload can create a problem or symptom, you know, that we experience every month. Thanks for breaking that down into common and what's normal. That's yeah. definitely good because a lot of people will be like, well, you know, this is normal for me, but that's not the case. So I think it's good that you break that down for your clients. And in regards to the cardiovascular system, I tell people all of the systems are interrelated. Yeah. <laughs> the blood vessels are controlled by the nerve impulses or the impulses that we get from our parents are autonomic nervous system which houses the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system and so like you're saying your goal when someone comes to see you regardless of whatever they're talking about because usually they're in sympathetic overload your goal is to switch them over to parasympathetic so that you know they get that blood flow and the body is actually able to reset and a lot of people don't know these multiple links because again the body is a system and so they have a symptom they're like oh no that can't help it so I think it's good that you're bringing it all together because it's extremely important. 
Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm sure you come across a lot of similar themes in, in your work too, you know. Um, and actually, this this is important too because I, I don't want, I want people to understand and your listeners to understand um, if they do, you know, ever think that they want to use acupuncture or Chinese medicine as a tool. It is actually, like, I, I refer to it sometimes as like a training program for the nervous system. We're teaching the body how to, like, be deeply relaxed and feel deeply safe again so that all these systems can be regulated. And actually that, that goes to dosing of acupuncture because it's never usually like a one-off situation, especially when we're, we're dealing with um, like a chronic progressive situation that you may, that a patient may have had for a year, five years, 10 years, you know, and it just became quote unquote normal, right? It's their baseline of how they experience life. Um, so when, when you're using acupuncture, if we want it to be effective, it has to be repeated within a treatment series. Well, that makes sense. You want to retrain your nervous system because you yeah. can do that. And a lot of the people, a lot of women I work with are high achieving. So we create our own stress. That's a whole nother issue. And so you yeah. have to yeah. work on the mindset stuff, number one, because that's the biggest thing. And once you take care of that, you know, in conjunction with treatment, but for most people, it's just their minds are just constantly busy. It's always the next thing and they don't pay attention to those cues. So getting them to understand those cues, which I think acupuncture does, it makes you more aware of what you're feeling in your body. So you can yeah. either, you know, take the breaths, whatever it is and adjust. And so again, like, especially for people that are just you know, high achievers always on the go, you have to retrain it. Like you can't just go in one time because you've already reverted. By the time you leave the office, okay, you're relaxed for a little bit, you get into traffic and it, it just automatically switches back to the sympathetic. So just kind of understanding that. And now we have so many little chronic stressors right. that we're not aware of yeah. <laughs> until, right. you know, either someone cuts you off in traffic or, you know, your child gets in trouble, whatever it is that you don't realize it until something triggers a larger event. So yeah, it's good absolutely. to really be aware of that. Yeah. It's always takes, you know, time. You have to give the body that time. I mean, my clinic's in downtown San Francisco, you know, like I, I'm seeing like, you know, people who are in these like intense tax startups and, and their, their workloads are just incredible and deadlines and, you know, the pressure to achieve. So I definitely see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how does acupuncture help regulate hormones in women? Yeah. And so, you know, one thing that, that we can think about with this is, so, you know, when we're in that, that excess sympathetic, right, where our minds feel busy, maybe it's hard to relax, maybe we're not getting that deep sleep at night, maybe, you know, we tend to have a little digestive um, discomfort or our stools are off or something. All those things that, that show us maybe our sympathetic is a little overdriven. You know, that also corresponds with um, it, it, maybe some cortisol imbalance, right? So cortisol is one stress hormone in the body, right? And so one sort of mechanism with the and how acupuncture can interplay with hormones is that when the nervous system calms down then we don't oh we don't have either as elevated or as the patterns of cortisol are not as disruptive to our daily patterns of wake and sleep then we don't have then that's not running interference on the way that our hormones are functioning. So when we kind of take that layer off, it allows the facilitation of our hormonal flow in a much more uh, physiologic and healthy way, you know. So that's one like way that it, it helps regulate our hormones. It, it really, it goes back to that stress piece. Um, one like hormonal condition that really shows this in spades that's really interesting is um, a condition called PCOS. And I know that you've had someone on your show talking about this at, at some point um, if, with uh, when women don't ovulate regularly. Mm -hmm. So the PCOS um, pattern is called polycystic ovarian syndrome for your listeners who might not have caught that episode. And it's sort of this complex hormone endocrine imbalance where 
ovulation is suppressed um, for metabolic reasons and also uh, that, that disrupts our hormones. And so what, what's cool about um, the, using this to understand like how, how acupuncture can work with the hormones is that um, there's been a lot of cool studies on this actually. Um, there's a really great um, researcher, her name is Elizabeth Center Victorin. She's a researcher in Sweden. And her focus has been how to elucidate the mechanisms of, of acupuncture working with the hormonal system and in specific PCOS patients. So PCOS ladies experience this lack of ovulation. So they just basically don't get their periods, right? They're just like, oh, it's really irregular. It's really long. Um, and the way that the acupuncture helps with that is through, well, it helps uh, in the studies reduce androgens. So the male hormones that, can, that we all need in the little doses, but that can, if they're too high, can help uh can block our regular monthly cycles which need hormones in the right timing to create an ovulation and create a cycle right so we know that acupuncture can help reduce androgens when they are elevated um we also actually through her work have found out that the acupuncture can improve um, metabolic profiles. So it can improve the way the muscles uptake glucose. So that's another mechanism that's probably has to do with our stress. When we're stressed, maybe we're not utilizing our, our glucose the way we should. So that can get into like blood sugar uh, irregularities, right? I'm sure you come across that in your nutrition work. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And so those, it's, it's kind of, a, and then also we know that, that women who have PCOS tend to be sympathetic dominant, even mm -hmm. more than like our baseline standard. So, you know, it's, it's all the same needles. It's, but when it's put into that type of body and that type of environment in the right dosage, which she always treats twice a week for a defined period of time, anywhere from five to eight weeks, then it creates those shifts, which allow women with PCOS to, the, the findings are that they have more uh, regular menstrual periods and their androgens tend to come down. So that's kind of like a really specific example of how it can affect, acupuncture can affect hormones. So basically what you said before is just a reset, just teaching the body how to reset, how to navigate or move away from the being on in, in fight or flight constantly right. and learning to actually rest so that the body can do what it needs to do because the body heals itself frankly if you take away the stressors and the hormone imbalances and all these things it, it can heal itself it's yeah. just sometimes we're just too stressed yeah so there it's like the you know again the, the are running interference you know i think with those uh, that patient population in particular it's also super important to do nutrition and which we do always like it's one of those things where you have to do kind of multiple um for, for their life really because it's not you know sometimes women come and they're not having their cycle and they want to get pregnant so it's sort of a let's do this now thing yeah. but you know particularly with the pcs uh, pcos uh, population it's also Again, like we're saying, it's so interlinked with many other systems, including our metabolic system. They're more prone to diabetes, so we really want to um, give them a life tool to not only have that reset happen for, okay, I wanted to get pregnant or my, my period's not regular, but have that reset as a life tool. Yeah, long term. Yeah, yeah, and the nutrition can, is important because that's the fuel that we're putting in, but it also will be a main tool to manage that throughout life, right? Yeah, that's true, especially the blood sugar um, imbalances right. that they have, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay, so you also specialize in digestive health and autoimmune conditions. So what is the link between digestive health and autoimmune conditions for those people who are like, what does that even, those things aren't even linked. <laughs> what is that link? Right, I know, it just seems kind of um, counterintuitive at first. Yeah. Right? Um, oh, and I want to say one piece about the fertility situation. Blessing, if I could. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, 
there's also, uh, I, I do want to mention the male fertility within women's health because uh, what I tend to see in my practice a lot is couples that are facing infertility, but only the woman gets treatment. This is actually 99% of this, the couples that I see. It could vary from clinic to clinic, but it's pretty much like that. Um, the imbalance of male to female uh, patients who are getting treatment for fertility imbalances is very much female. And that's a disservice because up to 30% of infertility is male infertility. So we, we really want it to not all fall on the shoulders of the women. It could, and it has to be assessed case by case, you know, like what are the contributing factors? But I see that in my practice so much. In fact, I have someone right now who, whose fertility is fine and she's coming for support preconception which is great but it's really her partner who has you know defined medical um infertility and i've, I've had that happen a number of times where it's really the male partner who has the issue but she's in my office and so you know that can help her with just the stress of the overall situation but it's just kind of this like cultural milieu where i i want to just be a voice to that because um I want the male partners to also come out of the, the, the closet a little bit and not be so reticent to, to get treatment in that area too, because then sometimes it just falls all in the way. That's true. The thing is, I usually, I work with women because women are more in tune with their bodies. I know. There are some men, but I mean, it's few, few and very, very far between. Right. Um, right. And if they have, their wives have trained them. Right. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, but it is good for men to go in and get it. I mean, these treatments are just for everyone. But yeah. since my, the people, women I work, people I work with are women. That's why I say women. But these I treatments know. are, I mean, men can go in and get acupuncture. I've had a couple of friends that they go because they have a lot of stress and they go get acupuncture and they're fine. Absolutely. So men, you can go and get treatment too for whatever. <laughs> like it's not, just take care of it. If you're not feeling well, yeah. let's just be real. Right. Take care of it. <laughs> Avoiding it makes it worse. Exactly. <laughs> Avoiding it makes it worse. Like, he can be her hero if he takes care of himself, you know? So. Well, if you're going to have children, I mean, yeah, you want to make sure you live long enough to take yeah. care of them. You don't want to just have them and then drop, and then the, your wife or girlfriend or whatever has, that's not appropriate. Take care of yourself is basically what this is. Right. Not to mention, there is a preconception window where there's a lot of valuable, like, health upgrades that you can do for three months prior to conceiving um, okay. in women because our eggs actually come online to ovarian blood supply in the last three months of development. So oh, it's actually wow. a very powerful time to make nutrition changes and to, you know, make changes in your stress and to help your body's blood flow to your reproductive organs. Same actually men's spermatogenesis is, is uh, about a three month process. From, you know, creation to ejaculation. So it's like they could, you know, it can be, in theory, like a very in-sync time for a couple, right? To both be looking to promote the health of their gametes as much as possible before baby comes in. Because we always talk about, okay, being healthy in pregnancy, being healthy in pregnancy, which of course we want to, but actually there is this opportunity before conception ever takes place. So. And that's important. That's yeah, important too. I want to throw that out there. Okay, so back to your question, you had asked me, you said, can you repeat that question for me? <laughs> what is the link between digestive and digestive health and autoimmune conditions? Okay, right, so like evolutionarily, oh, and, and the way our bodies are now, our digestive system is basically our first line of defense. So it's not only our way of taking in nutrients and getting the fuel we need to run our bodies, but it's our filtering system. And we have, especially once the food passes from our stomach into our small intestine, our intestines are lined with immune sensing tissue. Both our small and our large intestine. They're also lined with cells that are going to allow the right or permissible proteins and molecules that the body has identified as safe and appropriate into the bloodstream, right? 
And, and actually, let me back up even just to the level of the stomach, as far as our first line of defense, our hydrochloric acid that is in our stomach um, is a, the stomach is a highly acidic environment. And that's by design. Because, you know, before there was ever cooking to kill microbes in, in food, we had to be able to withstand any array of bacteria, fungi, viruses, yeasts that are in the, that were in the, the food we ate in our primitive environments, right? Uh, uh, you know, and have the best defense that we could, right? So, so this is, you know, a lot of it touches on like evolution, like how did we evolve? And so the HCL, hydrochloric acid in our stomach, is a really good mechanism for killing unwanted pathogens, right? Then we get into our intestines and they're lined with all these this nervous system, nervous cells, like dendritic cells that are sensing cells to let the, the, the system know, okay, what sort of proteins are these? What sort of foods are these? And then the, the immune processes that happen at the interface between the inside wall of the intestine and then when that protein or that, that food molecule is allowed into systemic circulation. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Yes. So in short, our guts are lined with, you know, immune tissue. So again, when we are, um, we, we can come back to that, that um, stress piece because when, if our immune systems are overactivated, as in an immune condi uh, autoimmune condition, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then what's happened is our body's inappropriately tagging its own cells or sometimes food molecules because food out food sensitivity can play a role in driving this. But certainly, um, it's some tissue of our body that has been tagged as an invader, right, or foreign. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And so then autoimmune means our body is directing our immunity against our own tissue. And that's a big problem. So what we want to do is support the system as best as possible to come down out of that, which, which is also accompanied by a lot of inflammatory changes. Mm -hmm. right? Inflammatory and probably... A, a lot of excess sympathetic tone. So we want to support the body to come into, again, a better balance. Always, we're talking about that with Chinese medicine, where the whole tone of the system can, can come down. And then we're also usually treating with, with food um, and nutrition and then whatever else is going on with that patient. Usually it's, it's a multimodal care, uh, plan of care, but the, the acupuncture piece of it helps to tone down the inflammatory response and hopefully help the immune system not, not go so crazy. Does that make sense? That makes sense. The, the other main mechanism as far as the digestion itself is that again, because the acupuncture promotes our parasympathetic tone, when we say back to that beginning, when we had, when I had uh, mentioned that parasympathetic is nicknamed rest and digest, we can promote the peristalsis, the normal movement of the digestive tract by helping our parasympathetic come back up. So it's called rest and digest for a reason, right? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> it, it facilitates our digestion. And the peristalsis is this sort of like rhythmic uh, wave that goes through all of our digestive tract that helps move the food along and helps us digest well. So when people have things like IBS or, um, you know, even the, the more in, uh, intense intestinal conditions like inflammatory bowel disease, there's, um, you know, some aspect of the peristalsis is disrupted. So again, by bringing down the sympathetic tone, helping the parasympathetic, give it that little boost, like help it, it's like the, you know, the bully and then, we need to kind of be on the, the parasympathetic side to get that bullying of the sympathetic down a little bit 
and then the the nice gestaltic wave can come back. That's true. Yeah. Basically, the it's too easy to activate the sympathetic, but it takes a little bit more work to activate the parasympathetic, which is the restorative system I in think, our culture. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Based on what I've seen the past 15 years, yeah. So can you, how can listeners find out more about you, Jeannie? Um, uh, you can go to uh, my website, which is kind of long, but it's uh, spelled out, sanfranciscoacupuncturegroup.com. Acupuncture is spelled A-C-U. It's not two C's. A lot of folks put two C's in there. It's A-C-U-P-U-N-C-T-U-R-E. I'll add it in the show notes. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. And now folks, you know, I'm in the Bay Area, but folks around whoever is listening from wherever, they may want to be able to connect with an acupuncturist and see if that would be helpful in whatever problems they're facing and there are some national organizations that they can go on to to find licensed practitioners in their area. I always say too it's good to ask your friends like someone who has helped someone in your network would be uh, that would be a good recommendation but it's also there's a this national organization which is called the NCCAOM and you can go on their website and type in your zip code or state and find a licensed practitioner near you. Okay, that, so that might sounds, be a good resource for folks who are interested. Sounds good. Thanks again, Jeannie, for taking time out of your day to do this interview. I really wanted people to get that connection between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic, and really how acupuncture really helps add balance to our stressed out lives, and you know, also addressing the different health issues that are linked to overstimulation of the sympathetic system. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to have the chance to share, and I hope it's helpful to, to people who are look, having health imbalances and looking to find solutions. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealthier Together podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or go to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a review.